0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
1: Okay, turn off your Pokemon app. It's time for the national news broadcast on VK1WIA. For July 17, 2016, and I'm Graham VK4BB. The Australian Communications and Media Authority will be hosting a spectrum planning work program to update industry on its current spectrum planning projects and ongoing activities. To be held tomorrow, 18th of July, in Australia's mainland capital, Canberra. The forum will highlight recent work, including expiring spectrum licences, mobile broadband, government spectrum use, TOB planning radio licence areas and digital television planning as well as TV reception investigations. The seminar will take place at the ACMA Canberra office but will also be video conference to the Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane ACMA offices. Home of Australia's first satellite is at it again. The Melbourne University is now designing a CubeSat and hopefully will have it ready for launch in 2018. The same university built Australia's first amateur radio satellite Astralis Oscar 5. It was launched 23rd of January 1970. It was then the first amateur radio satellite built outside of the United States. Astralis Oscar 5 was a beacon on 29.45 and 144.05 with telemetry starting with HI sent in Morse code, sensors giving the battery voltage, temperature and satellites orientation. Built on a small budget, it had bed springs for deploying the bird and a cut-down metallic measuring tape for antennas that extended from the sides of the satellite. At least 200 observers heard it reporting from 27 countries up to 46 days before going silent when its batteries failed. Today, Melbourne University Engineering Department students are working on the CubeSat project and restoring the Melbourne University old dish tracking antenna, getting it ready for launch day. Despite its small size, the satellite's state-of-the-art communication system can send more data than other satellites because of a world-first antenna that uses a special acid for inflation in space. Still up in the sky, maybe not as high, David VK4HAX tells WIA National News that yet another high-altitude balloon experiment was a huge success in VK4. Bundy Amateur Radio Club, the HABI Group High-Altitude Balloon Experiment, travelled to Roma for the launch. Apart from the usual payload of APRS, GPS, GoPro camera, they also had a crossband 70 cm to 2-metre repeater and, 20 minutes into the flight, some 22 contacts with VK4 amateurs. The balloon reached just under 33,000 metres. Once the balloon burst, the payload returned to Earth some 78 kilometres from the launch site. After a two-hour trek into the bush using direction-finding equipment, Habby located the payload, and Dave says it was a very amazing experience for everybody involved. Geocaching is an outdoor recreational activity in which participants use a GPS receiver or mobile device and other navigational techniques to hide and seek containers called geocaches or caches anywhere in the world. A typical cache is a small waterproof container containing a logbook with a pen or pencil. The geocacher enters the date they found it and signs it with their established code name. After signing the log, the cache must be placed back exactly where the person found it. Larger containers such as plastic storage containers, Tupperware or similar, or ammunition boxes can also contain items for trading, such as toys or trinkets. Geocaching and ham radio have for over 20 years gone hand-in-hand, a great outdoor activity on the way to your next summit. Geocaching shares many aspects with benchmarking, trig-pointing or orienteering, treasure hunting, letterboxing and waymarking. Now enters Pokemon Go. Played using a smartphone or tablet, this new game, based on the now-nostalgic Pokemon game, gives the ability for the individuals to be lured to certain real-life areas by in-game rewards. On launch day, June 6th this year, the Northern Territory Police, Fire and Emergency Services reminded players to look up away from your phone and both ways before crossing the street. Furthermore, the app has led players to congregate near strangers' homes. Other incidents include minor fall injuries and armed robberies. The app was also criticised for using locations such as graveyards and memorials as sites to catch Pokemon. The Darwin Police Station has demanded players not to enter the station to catch Pokemon, while the Silverton Fire District revealed that players who drive around the station or stop in restricted areas to catch Pokemon with the game have become an obstacle to the work of their firefighters, causing inconvenience. Now, just be careful a Pokemon frivolous is
0: not lurking atop your 20 metre beam. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. WIA board talk, how long before candidates get their ACMA licence? It can
1: take up to six weeks from a successful WIA assessment before the Australian Communications and Media Authority issues its licence invoice. This time is necessary so that the paperwork can be checked, a certificate of proficiency issued, call sign recommendation made and licence application handled. WIA assessors in briefing candidates about procedure make the processing time known. If the ACMA has an email address, it will email its licence invoice. If not, the correspondence is via Australia Post and that will take a little bit longer. Shortly, news from Barry Abley, VK3SY of Geelong Amateur Radio Club and news from the Western Front 100 years on. But first, Andrew VK6AS, our newer
2: WIA director, has been out and about and no, not playing Pokemon Go. Recently, Paul, VK5PAS, the other new-to-the-board director, and I visited the WIA office in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Anderson House is a spacious building owned outright, thanks to a legacy from Henry Anderson, VK8HA, Silent Key. There is space for all of the WIA's gear, including a library, historical section, and the unique and certainly one of the largest collections of QSL cards. The building and its contents are a major asset, Unlike the RSGB with dozens and the ARRL with hundreds of staff, there are just two full-timers, Bruce the Executive Administrator and Petra the Examinations Officer. Their work rate is prodigious, the phone didn't stop ringing and the emails arrived continuously all day. Since reorganisation the efficiency of responses has greatly improved. The failings unfortunately are when a request cannot be handled directly by the office and are referred to a volunteer as a speedy response cannot be guaranteed. Volunteers are exactly that, and they can't always put their hobby first. Paul and I are of both of the opinion that a simple ticketing process to flag such issues would be a great idea to help the staff. This is to be discussed further. We also had the opportunity to examine the workings of Memnet, the commercial software that handles most of the things to do with your membership, such as details of your subscription, etc., This programme is an extremely important system for the WIA, and the Board is investigating its role for the future, especially with some new developments by the software company. We were ably hosted by Fred, VK3 DAC, who spends a lot of time in the office as an advisor and whose knowledge is a huge asset. The Board must consider succession planning for key volunteers such as Fred. As part of our discussions, we touched on some automation of the exam service and Fred believes that the ACMA would be likely to be very on-side with attempts to simplify both ours and their processes to reduce paperwork whilst maintaining compliance. This is, however, in the future and we must await developments. One thing that became immediately apparent to Paul and I is the huge cost for the Institute's postage and it's important for the board to look at ways of reducing such costs. The biggest single item is that of the delivery of AR magazine. It would be a sad day to see the loss of a print edition just because of financial issues. A long day, but well worth it. Just remember it's true, though, Melbourne does have four seasons in one day. Well, we had three, as there was certainly no sign of summer. Please be in touch with the WIA. Contact is best made via wia.org.au in the first instance. Thanks for your attention. This is WIA Director Andrew VK6, Alpha Sierra.
0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
3: Remember the fallen, the Western Front 100 years on. The patriotic fervour in which Australian young men responded to the call of arms seems incongruous in our contemporary society. Between 1914 and 1918, 420,000 Australians enlisted, nearly 39% of males aged between 18 and 44. A further 2,861 women joined the Australian Army Nursing Service. They were all volunteers, and historical archives give some indication as to the motivation to enlist – excitement, adventure – and after all, it would be all over by Christmas. Wireless communications had been developed prior to the Great War by the Marconi and Telefunken companies, using a magnetic detector to replace the troublesome coherer, and a good degree of flexibility found in the mule pack sets for portable operation. During the same period, armament manufacturers were producing belt-fed, water-cooled heavy machine guns quick-firing artillery with improved optical ranging, which largely attributed to the carnage of the Western Front. Commander-in-Chief of British Forces, Field Marshal Haig, had little time for the new military ideas and was very much steeped in the ways that he knew, infantry and horses. The agrarian Commonwealth troops would leave one mighty push in the Valley of the Somme, enabling the cavalry to break out as they had always done in the past. The aim was for Frommels and Pozier Heights to be the battle fulcrum. However, this distorted view, which was lacking in appreciation of the new mechanised war, led to the loss of 400,000 Allied troops. The forebears of the members of the Geelong Amateur Radio Club were to be found in all armed forces, of all combatants of the Great War. This is not about victors and vanquished. Rather, it offers an opportunity to pause and remember the annihilation of a generation who now lie side by side in the cemeteries of France and Flanders. Geelong Amateur Radio Club is activating the commemorative VK100 ANZAC from midday Tuesday the 19th of July until midday Thursday the 21st. This will occur from Osmond House in North Geelong on HF and VHF. Contact is expected with the radio club of northern France, F8KKH, in the city of Roubaix. In a sense, the log of contacts will be an honour board of those identifying with all others in remembering those wounded and kills at Fromelles and Pozieres a century ago. In addition, a number of letters have been sent to mark the centennial. The Wireless Institute of Australia has written to their French equivalent, Rousset des Amittres Français, the city of Greater Geelong to the Mayor of Roubaix, and the Victorian Minister for Veterans Affairs has formally contacted the Premier of the French Reason of Pastor Calais Picardy by mail, which in part states, Since that appalling conflict, there has existed a bond of friendship between the peoples of Australia and France in the knowledge that so many of the youth of both countries lie together and are remembered at the Fromelles Memorial Park, Pozieres, Villers-Bretonneux, and on many other battlefield memorials, lest we forget. I'm Barry Abley, VK3SY, from the Geelong Amateur Radio Club, and you are listening to VK1 WIA.
2: Across Australia from the VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service in Albury-Wodonga. It can be heard on 145.525 MHz, or Node 388642 every Sunday morning at 10am and repeated again that day at 19.30. This is Rob, VK2, Foxtrot Alpha Alpha Alpha.
4: International News, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. China's new radio observatory is 200 metres larger than Arecibo. For half a century, the U.S. National Science Foundation's Arecibo Telescope in Puerto Rico has been the world's largest radio observatory. It measures 305 metres across, and among other major discoveries, has confirmed the existence of neutron stars. The observatory also featured prominently in the movie Contact. But now a Chinese observatory has superseded Arecibo. According to China's Xinhua News Service, installation of the 500-metre FAST radio telescope is complete, with the last triangular reflector put into place. The observatory is expected to begin observing the heavens in September. Amateur radio's response has to be real. Whether the earthquake is the real thing too, or just simulated, as was the case in Western Canada. Amateur Radio reports the special effects company spared no effort when it came to simulating the devastating effects after a magnitude 9 earthquake. But this Pacific Coast scene wasn't conjured up by some Hollywood script. This was the west coast of Canada's Vancouver Island, where disabled landlines and knocked out cellular service could have been real, but weren't. What was real, however, were the Canadian Forces patrol planes flying over the Rockies and the ham radio operators on the ground, relaying disaster and rescue information to them using amateur radio frequencies. The fictional earthquake was followed by at least two equally fictional tsunamis, bringing disaster to Port Alberni, northwest of Victoria, Canada. That region is home to about 18,000 people, and that part is not fiction. Hence the need for the drill, called Exercise Coastal Response. In all, more than 600 people and 60 organisations took part in the three-day response staged by the Government of British Columbia and thankfully not Mother Nature. Lest any detractors of Morse code hold firm to their belief that there is nothing at all natural about Samuel Morse's form of telegraphy, well, think again. A great story written by Amateur Radio Newsline editor Karen Eve Murray from this week's Bulletin in the USA says CW apparently is as natural as the universe itself. In fact, scientists have recently discovered dots and dashes growing in the wild. That's right, wild organically grown code. It's not even cultivated with a paddle or a straight key. The messages were spotted recently on Mars by NASA's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, carved into the dark dunes of a field lying just below the North Pole. Were Martians perhaps having their own version of field day? Were the hands there trying for their Worked All Planets Award? Well, geophysicists do have an explanation, as scientists often do. In a press release, the agency explained the patterns that sculpted the sand in such a meaningful way. Bi-directional winds are what carved the long dashes and the dots. Well, those are still something of a mystery, though they have a name. barcanoid dunes. The decoded message turns out to be sheer nonsense, at least for Earthlings ears, beginning with the phrase N-E-E, N-E-D, Z-B, 6-T, N-N, and so forth. What does it all mean? Good question. We'll keep our ears tuned to the sky. Perhaps the reconnaissance orbiter may next happen upon some hams in the dunes engaging in single sideband, or even another kind of Mars code. The power of green. Operating on the power of sun and wind at a site in Ireland, one noted contester has his hopes as high as the hill he works from. Here's RSGB and Amateur Radio Newsline's Jeremy Boot, Golf 4 November Juliet Hotel.
5: It's summer, and Olivier, on 4 ei stroke, 8 gqb is back on his familiar hilltop in Ireland. More than any other radio amateur, he's truly in his elements. In this case, the elements happen to be mostly wind and sun, and he's using both to power his station. Olivier has big plans. His blog on QRZ.com describes his antenna park and the rest of his station, reminiscent of a field day setup. He'll be on the air from now until the 12th of August using six antennas and two radios operating over five bands. Any successes he has will be down to band conditions, skilled operation and green energy as he competes in the IAIU-HF World Championship with a call sign EI1A on the 9th and the 10th of July and in the Island on the Air contest from the 30th of July to the 31st. Olivia writes in his blog, Wow, what a pleasure to be back again on the hill and being alone for two weeks in the middle of nature. This place is my lonely paradise where I can refill my social batteries. Of course, he will also be recharging his scorecards batteries. He'll need them to qualify for the World Radio Sport Team Championship in Germany. As ambitions go, that's pretty powerful too, green energy or not. I'm Jeremy Bucci for NJH. In Nottingham in the UK
0: music on the go with a helmet stick on this is our weird and wonderful files just when you thought the bike riders had enough gadgets many now fitted with head cameras to capture the action comes a helmet accessory to bring them radio or music programs on the move A stick-on to the outside of safety helmets transforms the shell into echo chambers through the use of micro-vibration technology. Time will tell if the idea catches on among consumers on bikes, skateboards or skiing on the slopes. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
6: Operational News, on am Felix, VK, 4FU, Q, twenty sixteen ten ten International Summer Contest, August 6 and 7. Remembrance RRD Contest, August 13 and 14. The 19th International Lighthouse on Nightship Weekend, August 20 and 21. 36 Alara is on the last four weekend in August, August 27 and 28. DX Advice special event station w1n will travel from the Texas Motor Speedway to Minneapolis between july the 15th and july the twenty fourth to highlight the 2016 solar car challenge. Several teams include students and adult advisors who are radio amateurs who wanted to operate a special event station during the solar car challenge. Activity will ramp up july 16th to twenty four o five hundred to twenty three fifty nine UTC W1N will be on the air with a portable operation from the Texas Motor Speedway before the vehicle set off on the road. During the -the on-the-road event, W1N will have a mobile station and portable stations active as the cars move north towards Minneapolis. Mobile activity will be on 20 metres, centering around 14.343 MHz. Operation from portable sites will take place on 6, 10 and 15 metres. QSL to KF5RVR Churches and chapels on the air. Churches and chapels on the air will take place on Saturday, 10th of September. If you or your club intend to put a station on, please register that station with John G3XYF. CP1XRM from Bolivia until early August. HF bands running 100 watts a vertical and using solar power. QSL to EA5RM. 8P6NN and 8P6MM from Barbados respectively until the 21st of July. Barbados says iota reference NA 21 Activity will be on the ten to forty meter bands. QSL both calls via KE one B. JT five FW to the nineteenth of July from Mongolia. Activity will be on the HF bands. QSL via RZ three FW. RA one ALA stroke zero from Kuril Island iota AS 25 until the eighteenth of July. Activity will be on the 40, 20, 15 and 10 metre bands. QSL to home call RA1ALA. Awards Worldwide flora and fauna in amateur radio. The WWFF program wants to draw attention to the importance of protecting nature, flora and fauna. In this spirit, amateur radio operators set up, operate their radio stations from designated nature parks and protected nature areas. Generating attention for these areas whilst giving the amateur radio community an interesting activity to contact. WWFF is an international and non commercial program run by the coordinators of a large number of national flora and fauna programs. Dennis, ZS4BS, and SID, ZS5AYC, have been in contact with the WWFF Council to register the ZSFF program. At present, there are 30 South African nature areas registered with the WWFF, which includes the 19 parks managed by the National Parks Board. The many other nature parks and protected nature areas in South Africa will be added to the ZSFF directory, and documentation will be made available later about the ZSFF program. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ in Ingham.
7: Hi, I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news – starting at Final Frontier, and two amateur radio licensees are part of the International Space Station Crew Increment who arrived on the orbiting outpost this week. NASA astronaut Kate Rubens KG-5FYJ, astronaut Takuya Onishi, KF-5LKS, of the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency, and cosmonaut Anatoly Ivanishin of Roscosmos, launched early on July 7 from the Baikonur Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan. The trio will spend approximately four months on station and will return to Earth in October. An upgraded Soyuz MS-01 spacecraft carried Rubens, Onishi and Ivanishin into space. They tested modified systems for two days, that's 34 Earth orbits, before docking with the ISS on July 9th. According to NASA, the modified Soyuz is equipped with upgraded thrusters that are fully redundant, additional micrometeoroid debris shielding redundant electrical motors for the Soyuz docking probe and increased power, though not quite warp speed, with more photovoltaic cells on the spacecraft's solar arrays. This week's launch marked the first of at least two missions in which enhanced Soyuz hardware will be tested and verified. Now to Worldwide Special Interest Group's radio amateur young timers and kids crucial to the future of ham radio. In the northwest of the USA, one of the Stanwood Kamano Amateur Radio Club's goals is to raise youth's interest in radio communication. Participation by kids will be crucial to the advancement of radio technologies for future generations. The Stanwood Kamano News reports, Communication with the rest of the world has become so simple these days, we often take it for granted. Need to find out how to reach someone? We have a mini-computer in our pocket. Want to know what's happening on the other side of the state? Hop on the internet and find out. But what would you do if a disaster wiped out mobile phone reception and made the interweb inaccessible? That was just one of the subjects the Stanwood Camano Amateur Radio Club, SCARC, covered during its annual amateur radio field day at the Stanwood Camano Community Fairgrounds. Now, worldwide special interest groups rescue radio, starting with the TCAC rally. Play with radios out in the field to the sound of high-performance machinery scribe start or flying finishing times onto competitor time cards and relay safety, timing and logistic info to and from radio control and points. Operate at rally control or at points out in the forest. Primary comms are VHF between points and rally control, UHF CB between start, flying finish and stop on each special stage. You'll also have some time between competitor runs to play with HF amongst the tall trees. Friday afternoon on the 5th to Sunday morning on the 7th of August, TCAC Cardwell Rally in the Cardwell and Kennedy State Forests of North Queensland. More info, or to get help, contact vk 4 zz on email, vk4zz at WAA.org.au And now, Radio Ham helped kids camp surrounded by fire. Amateur radio was used to summon assistance when power was lost at a summer camp ranch, Surrounded by fire in the St. George News in the USA reports, Lyndon Kendrick, KG7SXQ, was talking on his radio to a fellow ham in Idaho via a system of unmanned amateur radio repeaters linked up and down the state of Utah and into Nevada, Arizona, Montana, Wyoming and Idaho. Michael K2UZ called in saying the children's ranch where he works was surrounded by fire. The Lovell Canyon Ranch is a summer camp ranch designed for at-risk and special needs children. Firefighters were controlling the blaze, but the power was out, as were telephones, internet and cell phone service. Hilbert asked Kendrick to call the local electric company and let them know. Kendrick immediately found the number for Valley Electric and got on the phone with them. With a bit of back and forth between the radio and the telephone, Kendrick was able to have the power company dispatch someone to the ranch to restore power. Now, special interest groups, VHF and above, the Plumber's Delight, new 47 gigahertz record. A new distance record was set on 47 GHz between Whiteface Mountain in New York at FN34BI and on Mount Tremblant in Quebec at FN26RF. The distance was calculated at 215 kilometers, 133 miles, and a new US-Canada record on the band. Congratulations to all. And closer to home, Northern VK7 activity on 3.4 gig. VK7WI News has caught up with the efforts of 7JG in converting his 3.3 gig Wi-Fi unit to the 3.4 gig band. Joe, VK7JG, and Peter, VK7PD, have had a noise-free voice QSO between their home QDHs using FM on the 3.4 gig band. The path is not optical, so the signal had to be reflected by Mount Barrow. During the contact, VK7PD held a sheet of metal in front of the panel antenna momentarily and the signal disappeared, thus allaying any fears of IF breakthrough. The equipment used was a pair of modified data transceivers purchased from the Geelong Amateur Radio Club. This project was featured in the June edition of AR Magazine. The uh, units were originally intended for Wi-Fi use on the 3.3 gig band. They consist of a 300mm square panel antenna with the electronics on a PCB enclosed within a waterproof cover behind the antenna. The modification converts them into a transverter for the 3.4 gig amateur band. They require a 70cm transceiver as a tunable IF. Both transceivers were mounted on tripods to permit portable operation in the field and they're powered by 12-volt batteries. Joe used a handheld 70-centimetre FM radio as a tunable AF and Peter and FT817. The latter permits sideband or digital operation for future longer-distance contacts. Meanwhile, it is planned to try some medium-distance communication within VK7 and, when propagation conditions permit, a contact across Bass Strait to Australia proper. This appears to be the first contact on the 3.4-gig band between and by vk7s well done gentlemen and that's all i have today i'm vk3gr signing off let's have a quick look at the
1: social scene as we wrap up wia and the national news service for july 17 2016 august 7 in vk6 it's the ncrg Hamfest, fest 9am cyril jackson community hall ashfield and august 28 in vk2 summerland Hamfest at the lismore club rooms now till next we meet i'm graham vk4bb